Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. Uh, this is probably the easiest Bible study that I've ever done in my life today. We're going to be talking about predestination versus the election and versus free will of man. And, you know, it's never been debated in Christendom. It's just so simple. It's just you just read it and it'll make perfect sense to each and every one of us. And so I don't know why there's so much, you know, so much division over this. It's just really simple. So we're going to read that and we'll talk about it here today. I titled this message, Who Chose Who? Because uh, that's really what we're talking about. Is it man's choice? Is it God's choice? You know, how does this all work together here? And so we're going to read this uh, together, Romans 8, 29 and 30. And then uh, we'll pray and we'll jump into this this morning. Romans chapter 8, if you would read it there with me, starting in verse 29. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray that, Lord, just in this short time that we have together, that, Lord, by your spirit, you'd open up our eyes, our ears, to receive all that you have for us. And that, Lord, it wouldn't be as difficult as, Lord, we make it out to be. And that, uh, Lord, you would help us to to receive what you have for us today. We, we love your word. Uh, Lord, we love uh, the safety that it provides. We thank you for the direction. Uh, Lord, the hope, uh, just the promises that your word is filled with. And so, Lord, we study it today together. We give you all the praise and the glory. God, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would just massage these truths deep within our heart that would give us greater confidence in our relationship with you. And, uh, Lord, that we would know you better. Uh, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this weekend. Uh, Lord, as we, we celebrate John Jones and his birthday, we celebrate Jason and his. We celebrate David and Candace and, and just what you're doing in their life as they make this move. And Lord, just so many things we have to be thankful for. God, we just see your hand in working in people's lives. And may that bring us comfort today, each and every one of us. May we be reminded that we're people of worth, that you chose us in Christ Jesus and we're valuable to you, priceless, your, your word says. And so, Lord, we thank you for all these things. We pray for today as we uh, will minister to the people over there at Smoke Tree Mobile Estates. We pray that, God, you would move in their hearts, that you would provide for their needs. There's so many people in the world today that are living in tremendous fear. But thank you that your love is what casts out fear. And so give us opportunity to share the love of Jesus in tangible ways. And Lord, to help bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. Because Lord, that, that's really what it's all about. And so we give you praise. We give you glory today as we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, in studying this week, I was reminded of a joke. There was a, a guy, uh, and it's a joke of about free will versus predestination. There was a guy, he died and he goes to heaven. And when he gets there, he sees two lines. And uh, one line said predestined and the other one said free choice. And so being a, a good kind of five point Calvinist, uh, he goes and he, you know, naturally jumps in the line uh, predestined. And so he goes through the line, he works his way to the front. He finally gets to the front. There's a turnstile there and there's an angel, the Lord stand there. And he says, you know, what are you doing in this line? And he said, well, obviously, you know, I, I believe in predestination. I saw there was two lines, so I, I chose this line. And he goes, you chose. He goes, sorry, you're in the wrong line. It's over there. 
Guy gets out, gets in the other line, makes his way up to the front. Angel of the Lord's there at the turnstile, and he says, uh, you know, why are you in this line? He says, well, the angel in that line told me that I had to get in this line. And he goes, this is the free choice line. He goes, you're talking about predestination. You're in the wrong line. So he gets out, and he's just standing there, and he's looking at it. You know, there's nowhere to go. And the thought with that is that, you know, reminds me of what Martin Luther said. He said, you know, that when it comes to, you know, uh, the angels of heaven, he said, you know, when they need a good laugh, he said they read commentary. Because part of the, the problem that we have today and a lot of the division in the church, it's not a division in the world. It's a division in the church that we're taking things, you know, in their extreme, taking them really in the sense out of context. And, and we come up with these man-made doctrines and they do nothing to bring us unity in the, in the body of Christ. They do nothing more than to divide us from one another. And, and it's because we have this, this desire, I think, for the most part within the heart of man is that, you know, we, we want to be so certain, you know, in what we know. And I think what we need to do today, you know, as we look at this is we have to come to the understanding that you have to be okay with the fact that one day, you know, the Bible says we currently, we see in part, we, we don't get it all. We don't know it all. And there's things that I think I know, to be honest with you, I'm completely wrong about. But it has nothing to do with my salvation nor yours with regard, you know, we think about the essential truths that I know that God loved this world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That that's why Jesus came to save sinners and that we can be saved by placing our hope and our trust in him. That, that, that is an essential doctrine. There is no other name under heaven, the Bible says, by which men must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ, okay? And so those things, you know, we lock in on that and we go, those, those are hills to die on, we could say. But then there's, there's non-essential truths that people want to claim to be essential truths. But like I said, someday we'll get to heaven. And as the Bible says, we see in part and we, we see dimly darkly. But then we'll see face to face and we'll, we'll know as we're known. We're going to know completely in heaven. And we're going to be wrong about some things, but I'm not wrong about Jesus and nor are you if you've placed your hope and your trust in him. But these doctrines, especially, and I want to encourage you if you're a book reader, you can actually read it online. I think if you go to the Blue Letter Bible, you can find the Calvary Distinctives. It's a book that Pastor Chuck Smith wrote, and it really talks about, you know, the uniqueness of Calvary Chapel. See, we're not you know, what I would call a, a reformed and really in our theology in that regard, with regard to Calvinism, not a five point Calvinism. There's points I, I, I understand about Calvinism. I could in a sense agree with, um, and I'm not, uh, an Arminianist, as someone who just only believes in the free will of man. I don't believe as, as, as a full five point Calvinist that, you know, it's, you're completely predestined. Um, and there's no free will, you know, limited atonement. You know, we can go through all those. I'm not going to even take the time to go through all these things today. And, and you, what happens is you end up with these camps. And, and I always appreciated when I got saved in, in listening to Pastor Chuck, because I would read these passages. And to be honest with you, they didn't make sense to me. They seemed to be in complete opposition to each other. And so I'd read them and I'm going, well, you know, and then I, whoever I talked to, one person would say, well, you know, yes, you're predestined. The other said, oh, you have to choose, you know, and I'm going, uh, I see both, you know, in scripture. And, and so, and then, and then all of a sudden camps and I, and I watch this and, and you just see it. It's like we, whether it's Republican or Democrat, you know, we have Calvinist, Arminianist, you know, we've got Protestants, we've got Catholics, you know, we have, and I'm not saying that there's things that we shouldn't, uh, you know, 
debate over, and there's truths that, you know, we, we need to, like I said, need to be hills that we, that we die on. But they're, those are essential truths. And so we look at that, and I, and I look at this as, as, as something that's non-essential in this regard uh, from the standpoint of argument's sake, meaning that if you want to claim predestination and that's your position, I'll agree with you 100%. If you say that you believe in the free will of man, I will agree with you 100%. It's not an argument. And that was one of the great blessings of, of Pastor Chuck Smith, of just saying, you know, we, you know, um, you want to hold truth in the balance, you know, and the balance of scripture. And he said, and then what happens is he goes, we end up, you know, becoming an enemy of people because we don't make a choice. Like, well, you need to choose. You have to choose. And he goes, I, this is what I'll do. He goes, when I'm teaching the Bible and I come to a text that speaks about the predestination of man, guess what I'm going to teach on? the predestination, you know, and when I come to a text that talks about the free will of man, I'm going to teach on the free will of man. And he goes, and I'm not going to worry about trying to connect them together because the scriptures don't connect them together. And uh, so there's a lot, you know, that I have here, you know, like I said, in my notes that I, I could, I could, you know, share with you, you know, today. Um, it's one of these interesting things. And I think about the word predestined, uh, it's a Greek word. And, uh, I, I love this word. It's, it's pro orizo, pro, say pro orizo, pro orizo. And, and if you listen to it on like a YouTube, it'd go pro orizo. That's what the guy, pro orizo, you know, felt like I was watching elf in Hebrew. And, uh, he says of the definition, it means determining beforehand, ordaining, this is the word predestined, determining beforehand, ordaining deciding ahead of time. So you could say predestination means this, that God is determining certain things to happen before they do. Does that make sense to you? It's important that we get this, that God ordains things. He determines certain things to happen before they do. Ephesians 1, uh, I'm going to just read you a few passages of scripture here. Uh, Ephesians 1, 5 and verse 11 says this, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. It says in him, we are also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And, you know, you talk about predestination and some people right away, they, they get very upset about hearing about this particular doctrine and they shouldn't because it's a biblical doctrine. It's in the Bible. So the key to understanding predestination is to understand what it means biblically. Does that make sense? Understand what it means biblically. So the question, you know, what did God determine ahead of time? That's what we have to think about. What did God determine ahead of time. And what we just read, you know, in Romans chapter eight, verses 29 and 30, God has predetermined, you know, that certain, certain individuals will be conformed into the likeness of his son. They're going to be called. They're going to be justified. And ultimately they're going to be glorified. So the bottom line is, you know, God predetermines that certain individuals will be saved. And that just, like I said, it starts to make people's hair stand up, you know, but that's what the text says. That's what it implies here. It's the biblical doctrine that God in his sovereignty chooses certain individuals to be saved. That's what it is to be predestined. 
So when it speaks of that, it means being chosen of God, you know. And there's so many verses, you know, in Scripture. I, I have 11 here just in my notes. If you, if you ask them, they can get you the notes. You can study this out for yourself. But I'll read this one verse to you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, again, just being reminded of this. It says, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So the most common, you know, like I said, rejection to the doctrine of predestination, basically we would all probably agree in this. We'd say it's unfair. It's unfair. You know, why would God choose certain individuals and not others? So the important thing that we have to keep in mind, if that's the thought process that you have, is to understand, does anyone deserve to be saved? And the answer is what? No, no. So before we get upset, you know, I always, one of my favorite pastors, Damien Kyle, he put it like this. He said, I'm not offended as some who would say, I can't believe that Jesus is the only way a person can be saved. I'm just happy that there is a way for a man to be saved. I'm in that camp, aren't you? I'm just happy that God made a way for us to be saved. So no matter how salvation, you know, comes to mankind, uh, it's better than what we deserve. That, that's a great place to, to start from because we've all sinned, Right. We've been studying that in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what? The wages of sin is what? Death. It says, but the free gift of God, it's a free gift, can't earn it, don't deserve it, is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I shared this with you before. I love this quote, Charles Spurgeon, on this thought. He said, I'm thankful that God chose me for salvation before the foundations of the world because I'm certain he would not have chosen me afterwards. And it's so true. You think about that, you know, of ourselves. But uh, I love that, that thought. You know, we're, we're not worthy of God. We're worthy of eternal punishment and damnation to spend eternity in hell apart from God. But the good news of the gospel is God has chose some of us, not all of us, because not everybody's going to go to heaven, but he has chose some of us uh, to, to go to heaven. And the fact is, you go, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it could sound unfair if you're not chosen, but why is it? Because if you're not chosen, you're just getting what? What you deserve, right? I mean, think about it. If you don't, if you don't get chosen for heaven, is that on God? You go, no, because all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You go, we're just getting what we deserve. So what we're seeing when someone is saved, what are we seeing exemplified is the mercy of God, right? The grace of God. And we go, thank God for that, not to be taken advantage of. But nobody deserves anything from God. And so no one in the truest sense has any right to object to what God does because he's God and God can do whatever God desires to do. I like uh, this example that Skip Heitzig, Pastor Skip Heitzig shared. He said there's a man who was randomly handing out money uh, downtown one day. Um, he said to uh, five people who were there in a crowd of 20, he said, now, if a man hands out money to a crowd, there's 20 people, and he hands out money to five of those people, he said, you know, would the 15 people who did not receive money, would they be upset? Yes, probably so, he said. Do they have a right to be upset? No, why not? Because the man didn't owe them any money, right? He just chose five people to give money to. 
And yet, but something within our mindset, that's not fair. And you go, unless you were one of the people that got money. <laughs> and you go, and you go, and it's not that you when it was fair. You just go, I'm just thankful that he chose me and gave me some money. Well, and that's a terrible analogy probably in the, in the mindset of God, but something on a human level, we can kind of wrap our minds around here. But, um, you know, obviously God is choosing, you know, who, who is saved. And, and again, but that doesn't undermine, as we will see in Scripture, you know, our free will and our ability to choose Christ and to believe in Jesus. You know, the Bible says that we have a choice. It says, you know, John chapter 3, verse 16. And you think about this. I love that in the NLT, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So, you know, the Bible never describes, you know, God as rejecting anybody who believes in him or you know, turning away someone who's seeking after him. You can't find any passage in scripture where God does that. So people that are seeking God, scripture makes it perfectly clear. Love this passage, Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 29. It says, but from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all of your heart and all of your soul, what does he promise? He said, you will find me when you seek me, what? With all of your heart. Well, that clearly demonstrates that man has the ability to choose himself. And so somewhere, you know, the mystery of God, you know, predestination works and it works hand in hand with a person being drawn to God and, and, and a man believing in God and to salvation. John six forty four says this, for no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise him up. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I mean, they just work. Predestination, free will. God, yes, determines those who will be saved, but we must choose Christ in order to be saved. Let me say that again. God predetermines who will be saved, and we must choose Christ in order to be saved. Both facts are equally true. Romans 11.33 puts it like this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing and finding out. So true. You know, it was Greg Laurie who put it like this. He said, you know, a God that's so little that you completely understand him is not big enough to worship. And it's true. There's just, his ways are high above our ways. They're beyond finding out. That's, that's why he's God. That's why we worship. We stand in awe of him, right? Just, he's so amazing, the things that he does. I mean, you look in your own life as we're going through the book of Romans, right? And we go, all things, all things work together for good. And we go, are all things good? And you go, no, no, not all things are good. But somehow, somehow all things do work together for good. And you can look back and you can see it. You can see God's hand. And when we can't see, his, we can't see God's hand, what, that's where we just trust by faith. We go, God, I don't see it. And it's okay. You know, by faith. By faith. 
It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when we think about, you know, free will, there's two truths to consider. You know, we talked there about, you know, God's predestination. We see those things in scripture. Now look at free will here for a moment with me. We understand this, you know, number one, God is in control and all things, again, work according to the good pleasure of his will and his counsel. And what that means is God performs and God allows. That's what we're seeing here in the book of Romans, right? There's certain things that God performs, but then there's other things that God allows. We, we think of one very simple, clear story in scriptures, the story of Joseph and his brothers, right? You know, they, they, you know, leave him for dead, sell him into slavery, and at the end of life, you know, it's all turned around. You know, the good that he does for his family, for his brothers, uh, to relieve them of their famine. And again, brothers are completely scared. They're thinking, you know, this is going to be, you know, vindication. You know, this is going to be, you know, retaliation, you know, on the part of Joseph. And, and all Joseph says, he says, you know, what you meant for evil, he said, you know, God turned for good. It didn't mean that God caused it, but God is a capitalist. He capitalized upon it and he turned it for good in Joseph's life. And he's done that in many of, of your lives, you know, as well. We don't necessarily, like I said, understand it all, but we understand that God is working in all those things. So he's in control and he's working all things according to his good pleasure and his will and counsel. Like I said, God performs and God allows. Where do we see that? Ephesians 1, 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Going down to verse 11 again, we've been reading this. It says, furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us, what? Again, in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's working everything out according to his plan. The second thing that we see is, you know, God speaks and deals with us as a people who are free to choose. So God has predetermined, he's predestined us, but he's also given us the ability to choose and to make choices. Where do we see that? In the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, verse 38. Remember, here's Peter speaking to the religious leaders who have just put Jesus to death, right? Called for his death. And he's calling them to repentance. So he says, Peter replied, it says, each of you must repent. Because they're saying, you know, what must we do? I mean, we really, you just told us we just killed God, basically, is what Peter was telling them. And they're going, what must we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what, was, what did Peter tell them they had to do? They had a choice. They could believe. And they could do what? They could repent. They could turn, right? They had the ability to turn and then to be baptized. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, the spirit and the bride say, come. I love this passage. It says, let anyone who hears this, what were they hearing? You know, the everlasting gospel, hearing the good news of the gospel. It says, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. What do we see when you read those passages of scriptures? There's an openness, isn't there, in the invitation of God. Mark 8, 34 declares, says, whoever desires to come after me, would you, would you claim that to be an instruction, a command of, of God? He said, or is it a choice? He says, if anyone desires to come after me, that, that's, that's a choice. He's giving you and I a choice there. He says, if you desire to come after me, what is he saying? Here's what you need to do. What, what do we need to do if you want to come after Jesus? He said, first, deny yourself, right? That's a choice, right? He's not forcing us to do that. He hasn't predestined us to do that. 
It's a choice that he gives us to make. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And in some translations, it says, follow me daily. Remember, what did Joshua tell the children of Israel? Choose this day, right? Did, they, did Israel have a choice? Choose this day in whom you'll serve. But as for me and my house, he said, we're going to serve the Lord. And so, you know, you have those and like I said, the Reformed or Calvinist, you know, camps. And, and they, they would say, they'd read these passages of Scripture and they'd go, well, you see, you know, it's God who gave them the desire to repent. God placed within them the desire to repent. And I'd say, I agree with you 100%. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, what does it tell us? The kindness or the goodness of God does what? It leads a man to repentance. He, he plants that seed within our heart, right? And you think about that. But, but what Scripture doesn't say is that God repents for us. Would you agree with that? And so there's a choice. Yes, God calls us to repentance. He even reveals the love of Christ, that God isn't against us, that he's for us, that Jesus came and died upon a cross so that we could experience the forgiveness and the freedom, the peace, the love, the joy of God. But he, he didn't repent for us. He calls us to repentance. We have a responsibility. We have an accountability before God. Again, we've got to respond. God draws us. But we have to come. You see that through Scripture. God gives us the gift of faith, but he doesn't make us act upon what we believe. We get that. Romans chapter 7. We could go back and study that. God gives people faith, but he doesn't believe for us. These are just things that we have to settle in our own heart. You know, free will. I like what David Guzik said. He said, questionable at best. He said, free will, questionable. Do people have real choice? Absolutely. And there's a difference. You know, because really, do we have free will? Complete free will? And we go, no, not completely. We're, you know, when we think about this, you know, and I love this, and I'll read this to you from my notes here from David Guzik. He said, predestination or election of God and free will are what are known as complementary truths. One, God works all things according to his, his will. Two, God made man in his image with the capacity and the responsibility to make choices. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, you know, was asked, is it possible, you know, to reconcile, you know, the predestination of God and the free will of man? And Charles Spurgeon, you know, he, his re response was, friends don't need to be reconciled. And how he saw them, and I love this, this analogy, and I actually did it. We were over in Paso Robles, my wife and I with some friends. We were going to the Mid-State Fair, and we had to cross over the railroad tracks. And the railroad tracks were straight for as far as you could see. And it just dawned on me. They, they asked me what I was doing because they all kept walking, and I was standing in the middle of the, the railroad tracks. And the railroad tracks, there was one on each side of me. And I remember what Charles Spurgeon said with regard to the free will of man being like one rail and, and the predestination of God being the other. He said, you don't have to reconcile them. He goes, he goes, and picture a railroad track. And so I did that. And so I got in the railroad track. And if you looked at the railroad track, if you started looking out, it's two tracks until you can hardly see it anymore. And it looks like, what does the track do? It looks like it becomes one. And, and what he basically was saying is that, you know, in, in our, we're never going to reconcile these, you know, in the sense of trying to make them together. He goes, but somewhere in the distant, you know, and that we see that as what, in eternity, It'll all make sense. I love what Pastor Chuck said. You know, that's one thing I love about Pastor Chuck. He made things 
so simple to wrap, you know, at least for me, my mind around. And he said, you know, when you come to Christ, uh, he goes, you see over the, the doorway of heaven, there's a banner, you know, that says, you know, welcome, you know, everyone welcome, right? And, you know, come on in, you know, and he'd say it differently at different times. And he said, and, you know, whoever will, you know, think theologically. And so you pass through that door and he goes, and you're in there and you're thinking, ah, oh, yeah, see, I made the right choice. I'm in heaven. And he goes, and it's funny because if you look back over your shoulder, the same door you came in has a banner over it. And it says, I chose you. And you go, oh, you know, and you go, how do we make all that work? And you go, I don't know. I'm just glad you know, that God chose me and that he chose you. And, and I believe that people have the ability to choose God. Somehow it'll all make sense, you know, one day. But I, I love that expression, you know, friends don't need to be reconciled. You don't have to get in an argument with people. You can just simply say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, they're both taught in scripture. Um, if someone wants to say I'm, I'm predestined, you go, God bless you. And if they say, hey, you know, I, I chose Christ, you go, God bless you. They, they, both, they both are there. They both work in scripture. But they don't cancel each other out. That's the problem that we're having today in certain theological circles. And it's doing tremendous harm to the body of Christ. Instead of Jesus, you know, uniting us, and that's what he came to do, right? To break down the walls of separation. Because his word isn't separating us. We're separating, our, we're dividing over, you know, we're to rightly divide the word of truth, not divide over <laughs> the word of truth in that regard. But uh, like I said, it's one of those things that, um, you know, we can easily miss. I, I like, again, how David Guzik uh, in his commentary put this. He says, really important point. He says, if my understanding of God's sovereign plan cancels out the truth of our having real choices, something has gone wrong. And if my understanding of having real choices cancels out God's sovereign plan, something has gone wrong. And, and again, it's just so well, like I said, you know, put. And again, you know, we've got to just understand. And again, if you read Calvary Distinctives, you know, you'll, you'll hear, you know, Pastor Chuck, you know, making this point, you know, very clear. Um, he said, you know, God expects us to make a choice. You know, and again, he uses, he alludes to Joshua 24, 15. He says, you know, choose this day in whom you'll serve. And then in first Kings 18, you remember the story, uh, you know, of Elijah, uh, there on Mount Carmel. And he says, you know, he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. He's constantly laying out choices. Jesus himself said in John 15, 16, he says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit that your fruit should remain. And again, you think about, you know, free will means that God, you know, gives humans the opportunity to make choices that genuinely affect their destiny. Then yes, human beings do have free will. You know, you think about the world's current state that it's in. And what we would say is that that is a direct result of what? The sin of Adam and Eve, of a choice that Adam and Eve made. God told them what would happen. And sin is now... As we read and study in the book of Romans, sin is in the world. So you have to conclude that God has given man the opportunity and the ability to choose. But like I said, can we choose whatever we want? No, we can't just do whatever we, we want. We're limited, you could say, in keeping within our own nature. It's like this. If I said, hey, guys, uh, there's free coffee today over at uh, Bakersfield Roasting Company. And you can make a choice, right, to go over there and get free coffee or not. 
you can choose to walk over there, but can you fly over there? Can you flap your, your arms and fly? And you go, no, you can't. You're, you're limited by what? Your nature. And we have a sin nature. And so no one in the sense, can, can we make ourselves righteous before God? And you go, no, it's impossible because within our nature, what has happened? For all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have limitations that are placed upon us here. And so again, we need God to make us right. That's why he sent his son. You know, again, man's free will, then you can say is limited by his nature. But having limitations on our nature, what we can't do is, which some then do, they go, well, then that was the argument Paul was making in Romans chapter seven, right? Then is it so, because grace abounds, sin does all the more. So we just say, hey, you know what? I, I don't have to worry about it because God already knows and he made me this way. So I'm just gonna do whatever I'm gonna do. You go, no, there is you know, responsibility and there is accountability before God. Because we not only have the ability to choose, but we also have the responsibility to do what scripture says, to choose wisely. It's one of the reasons we study the Bible, right? We study to show ourselves what? Approved, not disapproved, right? You think about in the Old Testament, you know, God chose the nation of Israel, right? But did individuals within the nation of Israel have the responsibility to choose wisely? Yeah, and if they made the wrong choice, was there a consequence to pay for the choice? You go, absolutely. They had an obligation to choose to be obedient to God. Even those that were outside of Israel, right? Think of Rahab. You know, you think of um, Ruth. I mean, they, they, were, they weren't uh, Israelites, but they did what? By obedience, they obeyed God and they were blessed by God. They had a choice. And you think in the New Testament, you know, it's the same thing. You know, we're called over and over to what? To repent and to believe. You I mean, how many passages of scripture? Every single call of repentance is a call to what? Choose. Every single call to repentance is a call to choose. We hear the word and we choose to what? Obey it. We choose to respond to it or we choose not to obey it. The choice is ours. Jesus said this, didn't he, of the, of the Jewish people himself. In John chapter 5, verse 40, he says, You refuse to come to me and have life. You know, that text makes perfectly clear that individuals have the ability to come to Jesus if they what? If they want to. Their problem is what? They didn't want to. You could argue all day long. The predestination, election, free will of man, there's a choice there. Galatians 6, 7. Pretty simple, plain English. For whatever a man sows, what? That too he shall reap. Yeah. Choices. We get it. Choices have consequences. We just don't always get to choose the consequences, do we? Choices. Romans 1.20 puts it like this. says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. So God says that all the unsaved are not going to have an excuse because what? They had a choice. They had a choice and they made the choice to what? To not worship God. Verse 21 goes on in Romans one. It says, and yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Yeah. Do we believe in the predestination of God? Do we believe that God is a choosing God? 
Absolutely. You know, and, and thank God today, if you're in Christ Jesus, he chose you. That's what he's telling you. I chose you from the foundation of the world. It's a wonderful thing to be chosen. Amen. You know, because if you, if you've ever been rejected, you, you know how painful that is. But if you're in Christ today, you've been chosen of God and, and we'll spend our life in, in growing with understanding that. But because he's a God of love and he created us in his image, he's given us the opportunity to love him back in return. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? It'll be exemplified by your obedience. You'll make choices that are consistent with what God has called us to do in our life. That's the beauty of love, of being able to choose. If, if it wasn't love, we'd just be robots. So it's so hard to sell that, you know? So again, they're, they're like two railroad tracks, like I said, you know, that they're not going to come together and tell someplace, you know, that down the road in eternity. And they don't need to before then. And like I said, I know that can be disappointing to some of you that are hardline. Maybe you're, you know, a staunch, you know, Calvinist here today. And, and I can stand with you in that, that you go, Pastor Mike, I just believe in the predestination of the saints. I'm going, and I believe that with you, okay? And just leave it there. And for those that, you know, kind of more the Armenian, you know, that, uh, you know, bend and you say, hey, you know, I believe, no, it's all, it's all on mankind. And you say, I must choose. And I'm going, I, I agree 100% with you too. Yeah, I, I, it's again, it's, it's nothing to have to argue over. And, and we, we've got to be really careful because, you know, again, because you think about this, what happens when you choose one camp or the other, you're going to just say in the world today, you're going to lose 50%, right? I mean, if that's your goal, you go, then go down that route and you go, but can we hold hands with both sides? And you go, absolutely. But not to what, you know, the demise or cutting off the other camp at that. And I, and I love that about what I see in scripture, you know, with this. And so, you know, again, you know, we just praise God that, you know, he's made salvation possible. That's the greatest, the greatest truth to walk away from, you know, today that, you know, God's made this possible by sending his son and he's revealed this to us by the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, we understand it's by grace that we've been saved through faith and, and we can't make these choices. We can't live the life that God's called us to apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so we need him. And again, are we free to make choices every day? And you go, absolutely. Uh, but the great, the great you know, thing that we rest in today and that we've been studying the book of Romans is that he has begun this good work in you is what? He's faithful to complete it. God has a purpose and a plan. You know, I can think of all the things. You know, I think, of, you know, David you know, and Candace moving to Muskogee, um, you know, Jason moving to Texas, then Missouri, and then back. You know, God is working, you know, his will in our life. We can rest in that and we can trust that. We don't have to under, I mean, if we're really honest, I mean, if you're really truly honest today, God is doing so much that we don't have a clue of, you know, we have no clue, but what we believe about God from what we see in scripture is he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can be trusted and he is good all the time. Amen. To, to understand this, that he says, to know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, they're good, not of evil, not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope and to give you a future. That's the God that we serve. He's choosing you. The question always begs to be asked is, will you choose him? And if you haven't done that, you know, my hope and prayer you know, as we, we go today is that you go, I choose Jesus. I, I, I choose. And I've shared this with you and I love it. You know, I mean, think about this, you know, Jesus says, I'm the door, right? And we think, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. There's only one way in, right? 
and to know that Jesus is that way, I am just so thankful that there is a way, amen? Because I know me and I know you. We're sinners and we deserve hell. But God has offered salvation as a gift to all who would receive it. All who'd receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's as easy as opening your heart to him and saying, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. He brings us to repentance, but the choice is ours. Will we respond to him? We have a responsibility, we have an accountability to do that. Because if we don't, again, if we reject so great of a salvation, there's only one thing that's left, God says. And that is a sure, eternal judgment. That's hell apart from God. And you go, and that's not his heart. God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would choose Jesus and live. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Pray that, Lord, as we go today, that, Lord, our hearts wouldn't be discouraged by this, but, Lord, we just understand the complexity of theology that, uh, Lord, there's so many things in Scripture that um, they seem in, almost in opposition, but they're not when you see the beauty of them, especially when we think about election and we think about uh, free will, that God, to think for just a moment that before the heavens and the earth were ever created, you already knew us and you had a plan and a purpose. That, that's just mind boggling to us. And yet that somehow, some way, even after choosing us, Lord, you've given us the opportunity. You've given us the, the privilege. You've given us the responsibility to choose you back because that's what love does. You, you don't force yourself upon us. You invite us. That, that's the invitation to walk with you each and every day. You don't make us get up in the morning and, and it's like uh, we were trying to get away from your word and all of a sudden there was just a Bible in front of us every place that we went until we sat down and, and, and read it. You go, no, we have a choice. Are we going to fellowship with you? Are we going to commune with you? Are we going to sit at the table and sup with you? And, and Lord, thank you for the invitation. You said, no longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. For a slave doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've told you all things. And you do that through your word. And so, Lord, thank you for the freedom to choose. And I pray that, Lord, that's uh, our heart today is we would be reminded of what Joshua would tell the nation of Israel. Choose this day in whom you'll serve. He says, but as for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And Lord, let that be our prayer today as we go from this place, just affirming afresh that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's our choice, Lord. No one's forcing us to do it. We do it because we love you and we want to bless you. and We want to praise you today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you as you go. And if you can, if you can help us with that. Take time today. Push that out on your uh, social media accounts that, uh, you know, we're giving away food today at uh, 3 o'clock over at uh, Smoke Tree Mobile Estates. And be blessed as you go.